This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, we are going to be discussing the relentless negativity of journalism. Mike, this was from an article by Nick Murray, a longtime mentor for for you and I and, and McClellan Financial Group. Nick talks a lot about journalism and how it's always negative, and he had some poignant things to say. Who is it? The Don Henley song called Dirty Laundry. Remember, what what are the lines from that? Uh, listen, the bubble-headed bleach blonde, she comes on at five. She'll tell you about a plane crash with a gleam in her eye. <laughs> so, yeah, people have always loved dirty laundry. And it appears that after all these years, things haven't really changed that much, have they? Well, it's interesting. You know, you know the simple example is you're driving down, you know, the 400 or the, you know, the Don Valley Parkway, and there's an accident on the northbound lanes. You're going south, and there's an accident on the northbound. And suddenly your lane slows down to a crawl. And why is that? Everyone likes to see what happened. Yep. Right? And and there's bad news over there. You you know, the, the, the worse the accident, the slower it's going to be passing that lane. And journalism is like that. In particular, Nick pointed out a couple of interesting headlines that just caught his attention. And the first one was that a February the 6th job report said that 500,000 jobs were created in the U.S. in early 2023. The prediction had only been for 200,000 jobs. So the, A, the prediction was wrong, and we did a podcast recently on predictions. So we know the prediction was wrong, not even close. There's a big difference between 200,000 and 500,000. But what did the market think about? Because that shouldn't that be positive news, Mike, if the prediction was all these jobs were created? should be. Well, why isn't it? Well, the markets have already priced things in, right? Well, the market was only predicting 200,000 jobs, but it was actually more successful. So what did the stock market do that day? It dropped 1% because the jobs report was good. Now, the jobs report is good. It means companies are hiring, and it means typically that the economy is going to continue to grow, which is good for everybody, including companies and corporate profits. But the government may continue to raise interest rates. Ah, so that's what's really at stake. So even though there was good news, it was actually bad news. Yep. The headline in the newspaper was stocks wobble as the S&P 500 was on track for its worst week of the year. Now, that's a pretty bad headline. It's on track for its worst week of the year. Here's the only problem. It was in February. There had only been six weeks in the year. So, but the headline gets you to read it because it's the worst, the worst week. So whenever you read that, whenever you read worst week, worst month, look at the time horizon. If it's the worst month in 40 years, yeah, maybe stand up and take notice. If it's the worst month of the year and you're only in February, that's fake news. You got a 50-50 chance. Another headline that might attract attention. Early in 2023, the stock market started to go on a nice little run. It actually started in September of last year, and we've had a nice little run from the end of September until the end of January. The headline was, the red-hot stock market 
is ripe for a cool down. Yeah. Now, that was actually an interesting headline. And so far, that has actually happened. The market has cooled off a little bit. But you can see right away you're, you're interested in that article. And sometimes those articles trigger the market response. Well, you know something that's funny that you probably realized long before I did because you, your family was always in, involved in journalism and, and writing. I, it was until I was about 30 years old when I was at some seminar and they said, well, the person that writes the article doesn't write the headlines. I said, what do you mean, right? It seemed obvious to me whenever I read a newspaper, the person would write a story and they'd write the headline to the story because when we were in school doing book reports, you'd write the title and the headline of your whatever story you're creating and you'd write the story. I assumed the world continued to work like that. And I said, no, 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 that's not how it worked. We have a headline writer. I said, well, what's a headline writer? Well, they go through all the stories that all the journalists write and all the information and they throw headlines that are going to attract attention to it. And it blew me away this actually happened because I never even dreamed this would happen. I assumed whoever wrote the story would write the headline, but that's not the case. It's interesting, having been in the publishing industry, the cover of a book was very important. So I'm reading a book right now on Leonard Cohen's life, a Canadian author, poet, musical artist, very successful, great career. And this is going back to one of his books called Beautiful Losers, which my father published in Canada. And there was tremendous debate over what the cover of the book would look like. And my dad had an opinion, we can't put that cover on. That will never sell. And the cover of the book is what draws you to it. The, 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 the boldness of the headline is what draws you to it. Is there more to it than that? Yeah, we're going to explore that in a few minutes. Here's some other headlines that will grab your attention. Fed optimism fades. In other words, the Fed isn't positive anymore about being able to stop raising interest rates. So their optimism fades about being able to cool things off. Big company lays off 6,000 people. Well, hold it. We just heard that the economy created 500,000 jobs. We shouldn't be worried about a tech company laying off 6,000 people. They probably had too many people. And then another headline that would certainly grab your attention. Large brokerage, again, no names pokes holes in the stock market rally. And here's an example where someone gets a headline and says, you know, maybe a, a large brokerage firm said, um, yeah, there may be a few, a few issues with this current rally because of high interest rates, et cetera. But the headline is much bolder. So why can't they just write the news as it is, Mike? Why, do, why wouldn't that just be the case? Well, I, I guess we discussed the headlines, why they come out like that. But beyond the headlines, the stories do support this. So why are these stories written that way? And when you look, the journalists who are doing this, they, they want to get the story read. I mean, if you write boring stories all the time, no one's going to read your, your columns. And if no one's reading your columns, you don't get paid. And at the end of the day, everyone wants to be successful and if you're going to be a boring writer that just writes boring stuff, you know, uh, we expect interest rates are going to stay pretty steady for the rest of the year. There won't be much happening. The economy may come around and be okay and give you, you know, a 5 or 6% rate of return by the end of the year if you stick in a balanced portfolio. That's not going to excite anyone. That's not going to make people buy paper. It's probably the truth, but it's not going to make you go and buy the paper or buy the magazine or read through the article. That's just boring stuff. We've even learned internally. So we're now on our 220-something podcast. We've been doing podcasts for a while. 
And if we look back over the data, over the 220 podcasts, those that had a more sensational headline had more people listening to it. So don't be surprised if after today's presentation, Mike and I still don't know what the title of the presentation will be because someone else is going to choose it. Yep. <laughs> but it might be a little more sensational than the actual podcast itself. But Mike, there's something else going on here. So today, everything is about clicks. People are reading these articles no longer in the Globe and Mail. They're maybe reading their Globe and Mail online. They're, they're on a cell phone. They're on a, a laptop computer. And they're clicking. And they're, saying, they're clicking and saying, oh, that article looks interesting. Who's getting paid when someone clicks on that article? Well, number one, Google. We've done articles before. Every click we have, we have to pay Google. So Google wants to see the clicks happen. And again, when we're writing things, we want the clicks to happen because hopefully that's going to be someone who's interested in our business and reading our, our information. So if we can get someone to click, that's a start. Whoever wrote the article also gets paid. Yep. If you wrote the article, you want to get paid more, you make your art article and your headline more clickable. You have to realize that mainstream journalism, even mainstream, even when you turn on the CBC News, that is a business. It's not a service. It's a business. It used to be maybe a service, but it's now a business. People always question music and why music goes the way it does. And music goes, and a lot of us say, well, this music is so weird and odd now. But what happens is they find the thing that is most popular to today's generation. And music will always focus on that. There's a lot of weird types of music out there. But the problem is no one get paid to do it. It's interesting, it's neat, but if you can't get the people clicking, you're not going to get paid. And when you look at all these different musical services and all that, it's about becoming more mainstream to get the listeners and the clicks. Otherwise, you go bankrupt. So what is the media telling us today? Well, the current story of the day is that more jobs make inflation worse. Because if more jobs continue then the government is going to have no choice but to raise interest rates. Realistically speaking, yeah, if there's more jobs, there's going to be more demand. People are going to want higher wages. So higher wages, we're having to give our employees a, you know, 5 6% raise this year on average because inflation 6%. I don't want my employees to be falling behind the general economy. That's not fair. The prediction is that if there is more inflation – Interest rates will need to increase to tone it down. Higher interest rates are bad for stocks. Therefore, forget any market recovery. It's an illusion until we get control of interest rates. And you know what? All of that probably makes good sense. Yeah. The only thing that dr drives me crazy is along the way is interest rates aren't that high. Interest rates are just normal. This is the thing that keeps – I keep a banging my head against the wall because everyone goes, oh, these high interest rates. Could you imagine a 6% mortgage? Well, of course I can. I had mortgage way over 6%. It's not, it's, it's not a usual – to most of the people who listen to our podcast, a 6% mortgage is not the end of the world. So I purchased my first townhouse in 1987 and I actually went back a couple of days ago to look at some of the data. So my first house, I bought a townhouse in Thornhill, and it was $140,000. And I took out a mortgage for $104,000. The interest rate on that mortgage was 11.25%. Now, interest rates seemed high. So I thought, 
I'm only going to do a short-term mortgage. So I had an 18-month term. 18 months later, what do you think I renewed my mortgage for? 87. I'm trying to think if they went up or down. I know they so hit a high point. So now I'm halfway through 88. I'm renewing the mortgage. Yeah, probably 14. Well, 13%. 13, yep. So, you know, and that was locked in then for the next four years at 13%. So today, if you're at 6% or 5%, you're actually still getting a really good deal on your mortgage. What do you think our clients should be doing about these media predictions? Should they be reading them? And if they're reading them, should they think they're important? Or what should they, what should they take, take from those articles that they're reading? Entertainment and advice are two different things. The articles are there to entertain. They're not there to give advice. Remember, the, the articles never know anything about your specific situation. So they give you general, general viewpoints on a subject. Whether those viewpoints are from a decent source or from a poor source is hard to figure out because there's so many different opinions around every matter. You know, interest rates, are they going to go up or down? Yeah, we can probably agree. Yeah, they may go down by the end of the year, but who knows? You know, if we have the economy continue to overheat, we continue to have unemployment dropping and dropping and dropping down, it's possible they may have to go and increase them again. I doubt it, but it could happen. The reality is inflation is going to be hard to control. The governments around the world are doing their best job to get it under control. We've got the media cheering it on, whether it's going up or going down. The reality of this whole thing is the economy was shut down for a couple of years across the globe. You know, we're, we just passed the third year anniversary of, of COVID now. And so there's a lot of pent-up demand for travel, for buying new furniture, for going out and getting clothes, for replacing cars, you name it. And that's probably what's driving inflation. There's still a supply-demand issue out there. Remember, inflation is a double-edged sword. If you interview most people, say, do you want high inflation next year? Most people would say no. I said, well, do you want to get paid more next year than you did this year? Well, of course I do. I want 6% pay increase I want 6%. or 3% inflation. Yeah. Everyone wants the pay increase. Everyone demands that type of pay increase across the board, but no one wants the inflation. They tend to move you know, together. So why don't we care about the media? Why, you know, why do we just not let it impact us anymore, Mike? Well, it won't help you. It won't do any good in changing your financial situation for the better. It's noise. You got to tune out all the noise. And the more noise there is, the more distracted you get in your long-term goal. Your long-term goal is to make your portfolio grow enough to make sure you have a retirement and can enjoy your life later on, or if you're in retirement, to continue to enjoy your retirement years. It has nothing to do with the media. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 
Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.